On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. That's what we're going to talk about this morning as we launch into the new year. We're going to launch into the new year with a moment of communion. Uh, I want to talk about something very specific that I've been, I've been sitting on in this, in just, just kind of meditating on this information, uh, a scripture that I read in, in, in the Bible, and I, I just couldn't get over it. I kept going over and over again. This morning, uh, as we enter into 2024, uh, I want us to consider just one verse. So grab your Bibles. If you don't have one, grab it out of the chair back because I'm going to have you do everybody else a big favor. So grab it out of the chair back. Uh, Acts chapter 2. I believe this one verse uh, sets the tone for this upcoming year. Uh, and I hope that you'll seriously consider it as I've been considering it. And again, by considering it, I'm talking about read it again. Maybe put it on a post-it note, stick it on your mirror in the bathroom. Put it on a post-it note, stick it on your dashboard. I, I don't know what you have to do, but I believe that here... At the beginning of the year, this one verse can make all the difference in how we approach and how we navigate the year that's in front of us. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. You've heard it before, but I wanna, what I want to do is I just want to pick it apart. I want to completely unpack it uh, uh, literally word for word. If you have the chairback Bible, you can do me a favor and just underline it. If you've got a pen, just underline it. Acts 2.42. Just underline the whole thing so somebody else is going to come along and go, oh, this has been written in. Yes, it has. If you don't have a Bible, that's yours. Please take it. All right? So he, here's Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, and they're talking about the church. Okay, This is a kind of a, a, a summary of the church. And they give some descriptions as to what the church is, what's happening in the church. And so here's, here is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Some of the believers, shall I try that again? Um, wait, wait, wait. Many of the believers, okay, I'm still reading it wrong. Most of the believers, okay, I'm making sure we're all on the same page. Listen to this, all the believers, they're summarizing the church. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Done. That's all, that's all scripture we're going to read this morning. But I want to pick this apart piece by piece. And again, just I've been meditating on this verse. And so as I look at it, I just read it over and over and over again. And I've been asking myself several questions. And I believe these three words, believers, devoted, themselves have a lot more in common than just being next to one another in this sentence. It's a short sentence. It's an easy sentence. But I believe something's happening here, and I think we need to make the connections. First, we'll start with this one, believers. What is a believer? In, in, in the official sense, it's someone who believes. Okay, no. A believer, right? In this particular context, those are the disciples. Those are the followers, the people who put their faith and, and in the actions and the teachings of Jesus the Christ, right? They go, oh yeah, so these followers and believers and, and disciples are also called Christians. All the believers. I, I personally, I like the word, and you've heard me use it before, I like the word apprentice as a descriptor because um, it's got some grit to it. There's, there's some grit that, that I have to deal with. When I hear the word apprentice, I think, 
oh, that's, that, there's some commitment there. When you're an apprentice to something or to someone, there's some serious commitment. I hear the word disciples in the news and I go, oh man, the disciples of woo-woo-woo and they're doing wacky things. It's easy to follow, clickety-click. Look, I'm a follower, right? Oh, I'll follow them. No, see, I, I like this word apprentice. And, and, I, and I, th- I think the apprentice is, is a good word because really apprentice is the entry-level learner. I'm, I'm a rookie at this. I don't know how to do this, but I need to learn how. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow an expert so that, and I'm going to study anything and everything the expert tells me to look at so that I can be good, as good as the expert. That's an apprentice. I'm learning. I'm still the rookie. I still don't know how that thing works. And look at how the expert did it. The, and whatever that it is. And that's the first connection that I make is that believers or the apprentices are devoted. That's a fact. They're devoted to anything and everything. The words, the ways of the one that they're connected to. And, and I, think, I think that's the problem. I, I'll, I'll say that's the number one problem in the American church today. Yeah, did, did you hear what I just said, right? I, I hope that piques your curiosity. I just said the number one problem in the American church today. Now, it's opinion, but let me see what you think about it. Are, are you ready? The number one problem in the American church today is that people think they can be believers without being devoted. I'm just going to put that out there. I think this is happening in the American church that we can be believers but not be devoted. But this says most of the believers were devoted. Some of the believers were devoted. Many of the believers were devoted. It says all of the believers were devoted. And I hear it and I go, wow, 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 wow. One of my favorite authors and teachers, a guy named Dallas Willard, he referred to this as living out the great omission. It's the thing that we're just kind of missing. We're, we're focusing on getting Christians rather than making disciples. And that's what Jesus said. Go into all the world and make Christians. Go into all the world and make sure people go to church. Go into all the world and make sure they raise their hand or walk the aisle or pray the prayer and that'll be enough. And here's, here's my thing. I, I see it in the church today. And, and today, this message is not just for us. If I could, if there was a way I could like put this on C-SPAN or something. You know, it's like, I want, I want everybody to hear this. I believe the church, the body of Christ needs to hear this. That we have, we've moved, the church has moved into a conversionist spirituality. Well, as long as they raise their hand, that's good. And we're counting numbers like, no, Jesus said we have to make disciples. And so the resulting elephant in the church is that there's a whole bunch of religious people, church attenders, who've never experienced the transformation of being a friend of God. And that's what Jesus came after. He said, I want to make the relationship right with you and God again. Not a box that you check on a Sunday morning, not something that you're, you're doing, it's something that you are, it's someone that you, that you are to be and the thing is, I just don't understand that kind of approach. And it's something I wrestle with regularly. I don't understand that kind of approach because that kind of approach is unacceptable everywhere. Think, think about it. Imagine if someone told you, I'm totally into the Dodgers. Oh, who are they playing this weekend? I have no idea. Then you're really not in. I love baking. Oh, do you watch the English baking show? What's that? 
then you must not really like baking. Or you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh man, I'm totally into whatever that thing is. Whatever that hobby is, right? I, I will tell you, Cynthia Seiler, those of you who know Cynthia Seiler, uh, Jeremiah Bergman, they will both, they have no problem rolling their eyes at my Dodgers connection. It is a single hat. That is all I know about the Dodgers. It's what I wear when someone gives me tickets to go to Dodger Stadium. I'm not interested. I, I'll go get a frozen lemonade. Woohoo! It's great. We're going to have a great time talking while they do their thing. Listen, uh, and watch. Because I, we- watch. because I wear a hat does not make me a disciple does not make me a follower, does not make me a believer, does not make me an apprentice. I'm telling you, you could talk to these people. I'm serious. You talk to Jeremiah Bergman. He's still in mourning over that guy that got traded, the one, the billion-dollar man, you know, that got traded over, right? Poor angels, right? The, the Dodgers, the, there are people who can tell you all about baseball. I'm not one of those people. I'm not a follower. I'm not an apprentice. Last week, I had mentioned in the teaching, I, I talked about a point where Jesus said, hey, you know what? You can identify trees by their fruit, and you can identify people by their actions. I talked about how we prove our faith. Anybody remember this? This is last week. We prove our faith in certain ways, three ways I noted. But the problem is, again, the American church today is filled with believers who aren't devoted to specifically those three things, but others. And, and that's why I really like the word apprentice. I like the word apprentice because there's, with an apprentice, there's these uh, undeniable signs. When you meet an apprentice, there's an undeniable sign. You notice it, and they're not even trying to make it noticeable. It just is what it is. They find themselves talking about their commitment. They find themselves in their commitment. Listen, I, I specifically have to go to the garage, look in my collection of baseball caps, oh, put on my Dodger hat. You sit with Cynthia... You sit with sports fans, you sit with Jeremiah Bergman, and I'm telling you what, they're going to go, oh, this last weekend, did you see what, and you can believe it, Angel Hernandez, what kind of call me, he'd make, and they just talk, 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 they talk baseball. You know, you know. Those undeniable signs, they're everywhere. You, you meet someone who's got, like, grease in their fingernails, and in their knuckles, and on their hands, you go, mechanic undeniable sign. You walk by my son, I don't care when you see him, you can push sawdust off of him because he works with wood and he's around wood all the time. And he's, he is now into journeyman status. He's running his own. But you see, he's now teaching other people woodworking. But there's that sawdust leftovers, right? You see dirt under the fingernails. I, I, I got, when I do my gardening, it's fierce. But that day I'm like scrubbing the dirt out of my nails. It's dirt everywhere. That's the leftover remnant. I, I know, I've, I've met them, the bakers who go, hey, look what we made you today. And, like, and there's dough stuck in the ring and between the stones and all. I go, baker, see, that's the left, leftover remnant. How many of you have been paid by friends, right? You repaid from friends and they give you all $1 bills and you go, you're a server in a restaurant, Right? Right, all the tip money. It's like here's I I got to pay you back. I couldn't Venmo you. Here's all these seventeen ones. Who does that? A server in a restaurant. See, these are the little tiny signs. You go, I know what you are. I'm 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 expanding it here. But there was a blessing. There was a blessing in the days of Jesus that they would give to 
disciples, or what I'm calling these apprentices, and they would say this. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Think about the back roads of Israel, right? The back roads, nothing's paved. Poor community, it's all dirt roads. And what they're saying is, hey, I hope that you're walking so closely behind your teacher that the dust from those ancient roads ends up on you, that you're walking so closely behind them because you're within listening distance of anything your rabbi is saying. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And I love the phrase. May you have this remnant proof of closeness to your teacher. And then you know what? If we're really following Jesus, we're going to go where he goes. We're listening to what he's saying. We're walking behind him every step along the dusty way. That's what we're doing, and we'll be covered in his dust. Now, I want to look at a short list, same verse, short list of four undeniable signs. It's the remnant. It's the remnant. It's the remnant. It's the, re- it's the remnant of disciples. You know who the, uh, the apprentices are. You know who these people are following Jesus. The believers devoted themselves. First, the apostles' teaching. Not just knowledge, applied knowledge, which is wisdom. There's a whole bunch of really smart sinners. I've got, the, I've got the knowledge, I just haven't applied the knowledge. And so I don't have wisdom. How many, how many stupid, and I mean that in the literal sense of the word, stupid people have millions and millions of dollars. I watch athletes and they, they accumulate this massive wealth and then they're filing bankruptcy. I'm like, what happened? It's like you had knowledge, but you didn't apply the knowledge which made it wisdom or you'd still have much of that money left over, right? But where do, where do, we, get the, where do we get the apostles' teaching? Dun, da, da, da. Right here. We've got several versions of the apostles' teachings, and they're all here. What did they teach? What did the people who hung out with Jesus say Jesus said? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are the guys. They were walking with him, right? And Luke does all the, all the investigations to make it correct, right? And the story is consistent. This is what Jesus said. This is how Jesus acted. This is the way Jesus interacted with people. This is where we find the apostles' teachings. And and to be devoted to them, to be devoted to the apostles' teachings, listen, is to get our hands on anything and everything about the apostles' teachings. What did people say about what they said? Because we're reading about what they said about what he said. They wrote down what Jesus said. We're reading what they said. Now, what did this person say about that? Oh, this is where we find the apostles' teachings. So then I go, okay, what podcasts can I listen to? Where where can I hear more about the apostles' teachings? What books can I read? What seminars can I go to? What retreat can I attend? Because I want to get anything and everything I can. I want to be devoted to their teaching. Right now, media. Media. You all have a free subscription. If you haven't gotten it yet, go to the website. Go to our website. Get a subscription. It's like 70,000 different titles. You could, you could learn about anything you want to learn about in the Bible. And, and we provide a free uh, a subscription to Right Now Media because I go, I want to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Here's the second thing. Fellowship. Fellowship. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they're all devoted to fellowship, hanging out and talking about the apostles' teaching. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They're hanging out. How much time do we spend with other apprentices who are spending time with other apprentices? I got no problem, so please hear me. Uh, I just don't, I, I, I have no problem with sports. I have no problem with NASCAR. I have no problem, fine, fine. I, I just, it's like, I am completely obsessed, and, and here's why. I, I will, I, let me step aside for a moment. There's so much brokenness in here, and so much brokenness in here. I am, I am truly, I would use the word desperate. I'm desperate to be made right. I am so messed up in my thinking, in the way I feel, the way I want to treat other people. And I go, what was that? And so I'm doing anything and everything I can to get a hold of how he treated other people because he was gracious. He was merciful. He was kind on people that did not deserve it. Paul said, me of the worst of all. Right? And I'm desperate, so I, I've got to do anything I can to get a hold of anything I can from Jesus. And that's what I end up talking about. But you know why? Because other apprentices know stuff I don't know. And I go, so what'd you do? I want to know, how, how'd you fix it? And isn't that, look, look at the other hobbies, remember? Bread, right? Oh, you make bread. Well, what did you do when the bread did this? Oh, you know, my carburetor did this. What did you do when, the carburetor, when your carburetor did that? Mechanics learn from other mechanics. Bakers learn from other bakers. Baseball fans learn from other baseball. Did you see the stats? on? And they... All I'm saying is, where's Jesus in the midst of this? It's really important. What do we talk about when we're together with other people? What do we talk about? When we're together with other Christians, that's the stuff we're devoted to. Again, I have no problem with other stuff. It's just, where does Jesus fall into the stuff? And that's the definition of fellowship. It's the content of our conversation. Think about it. Fellowship is the content of our conversation. It's the stuff that connects us. When I have fellowship with someone, you meet someone, you're like, oh man, I just want to spend the rest of the day with them. Now watch this. It could be over baking or cars or sports or whatever, but it's like, oh man, I had such a great conversation with, about. Imagine that we did that with other apprentices. Here's the third thing, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper was celebrated at Passover. It was celebrated at Sabbath. It was celebrated once a week. They did this kind of celebration. They entered into what they called the Sabbath rest. They would turn to one another and say, Shalom Shabbat. Shalom means peace on this day of rest. Shabbat is the Sabbath. Shalom, Shabbat. Peace, rest. And then the person would respond with Shabbat Shalom. Peace and rest and peace to you as well. And so it was this greeting, just like we do. Anybody remember on Resurrection Sunday, we say, he has risen, and everybody else says? People would walk up to each other and go, Shalom, Shabbat. And someone would say, Shabbat Shalom. And it was a blessing on one another. It's this thing that happens. Well, this is where it was happening. It was happening over what we call communion. The Lord's Supper is what the Bible calls it. Some people call it the Lord's Table, Breaking Bread, Eucharist. It depends on the tradition, but there's a lot of names for the same celebration. It depends on where you are. You're a disciple or an apprentice or a follower. You know, There's just different ways of saying it, right? 
But what we're doing is we're celebrating what Jesus did for us and how he did it. We're stopping for a moment. Stopping for a moment, watch this. And we're getting off the spot practice for on the spot application. You ever been caught and you gotta do something on the spot? Don't you always wish, oh I wish I was ready for that on the spot moment? It's this off the spot practice of remembering, right, Jesus served. Jesus served. He laid down his life for his friends. See, I'm practicing on a regular basis. I have a communion set that sits on my desk. For, for me, I told you how desperate I am. It can happen three, four times a week for me. That I just go, I need you to help me be a servant today. Because I want what I want. It's remembering his sacrifice as an example of what I'm called to do. This morning, we're going to celebrate that. You got one. We're going to get it. But I want to show you this. For people who are serving at the church this, this last year, right, we, we had just a, a thank, we, we called it a night of thanks, but we gave out a communion plate and a communion cup. I said, hey, man, I want you to have communion at home. Don't wait for us to provide it for you. Do it yourself. So the, you put the bread on here. Everybody takes off a piece. You dip it in to the cup of wine. You go, All right, we're having communion together. We're going to celebrate this around our table. And I thought, what better way to ask you to celebrate it than give you the tools to do so? One apprentice to another. I'm going to give you the tools of the trade. Because I think, I think we're missing out on it. I think depending on, watch this. If you're depending on me to provide communion for you, you're missing out on something wonderful. If you're depending on me to provide the word of God for you, you're missing out on something wonderful. That you could have all you want. Again, I have communion three, four, five times a week. Depends on the week. There are times I just, I gotta get communion into me. Here's the fourth part. Acts chapter two, verse 42. Right? They devoted themselves to prayer. Prayer for one another. Prayer for their concerns. Prayer for our little world and the world around us. And you know what? That's the other thing that happens in fellowship. First, we're talking about what Jesus did and how he did it. We're talking about what his apprentices did. And then we're talking about what the apprentices say about those apprentices. That's what we're talking about. But here's the other thing we're talking about in fellowship. What's going on? How can I pray for you? Oh, my aunt's been really sick. My mom, has, she's, her health is deteriorating. Da, 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 right? These are the things the, other, the, the apprentices are talking about when we get together with other apprentices. Right. And this talking, this talking is the best way we can support one another. How can I pray for you? Ask the question. When you meet another disciple, when you meet another apprentice, another follower, ask, how can I pray for you? And then do it. And then do it. I'll pray for you this week. No, I'll pray for you now and this week. How many of you have ever been encouraged because someone stopped to pray for you? Because someone said, can I pray for you before we leave? Yeah, please. And they pray and you're like, ah, that was exactly what I needed here. I need, and some of you are going, nobody's ever done that for me. Thus the problem, Christians who are believers and not devoted. We're devoted to prayer. And then we pray again and again and again. And you know what I love to do? I love to do it midweek, like four or five days later and say, hey, I was praying for you this morning about this. I'll write an email, text them. Hey, I was praying about that thing this morning. They're like, oh, 
You're still thinking. You know how encouraging that is? Four and five days later to hear someone is still thinking about you with the father who calls you friend. That's so encouraging. That's what he's talking about. They're devoted to prayer. Now, some of you are thinking, you forgot about the last of the three words. You said there was going to be three words. You said believers devoted. What about, what's the third word, right? Right? I, I did that actually on purpose, right? Uh, I, I did it on purpose because I, I just left it there as a practical example. The word was themselves. Believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to having meals together, to prayer. But they devoted themselves. It's the easiest and I think the hardest part. It's to stop worrying about what other people are devoted to. It's called not keeping track of whether somebody else is devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to meals together, and to prayer. My devotion is my responsibility. Your devotion is your responsibility. Please let me be very clear. We will encourage one another. How's it going? I try to do that each week from this place. I say, how can I encourage us to get back into these four things specifically? But how, how can I encourage one another? How can we encourage one another? I'm going to be doing a lot of this in 2024. Because I think we're going into something that if we're not truly prepared and centered, if we're not centered on, wait a minute, how did Jesus respond in situations when he was hated, when he was lied about, when he was accused of things he didn't do, when he, when he was told things, you need to do this. How, how did he respond? When people put their expectations on him and he's like, mm, you got the wrong expectations here. That's not what I came for. No, you need to come for that. You need to conquer the Romans. Mm. And our boss comes to us and says, I got expectations on you. You need to to do this. You need to do this. I don't care how you meet the budget. Wink. Oh. And I begin to question. That's why I need this all the time. I need this all the time because I have to realign my mind and my heart. I have to realign what, what the Spirit of God is in me for. The Bible says, this is why he laid hold of you. This is why he grabbed you. Pursue that. And so here we are. All the believers devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, specifically the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever it is, and to prayer. Here's what I want to do this morning. I'm going to break us up. You all got one of these when you walked in. Ushers, if, if you don't have one, raise your hand. If you came in, you didn't get one when you came in, please get one. Ushers will have those for you. Just raise your hand. We're going to get Here's what we're going to do. We're going to turn right now, and I'm going to ask one simple question. Here's the question. What would it look like if we took communion with our families at the dinner table together? What would that look like in our community groups? In our growth groups, right? I'm meeting with somebody else, and I'm just like, hey, can we have communion before we start? Can we stop for a moment and just celebrate? And I, I'm here to tell you, I, it, some will probably accuse me of heresy. That could be done over a scone and a cup of coffee if you want. But it's to stop and just go, here we are. We're, we're in Starbucks. We're in, we're in Bodie Leaf, right? Listen, can we just stop and have communion for a moment? Break the scone. <laughs> His body was broken for us. Have a body scone. Hey, and you know, his blood was poured out for us. Sip of the coffee. It's, it's about the symbolism what would it look like if when we met with friends for lunch all throughout the week and not just at church, what if we had communion together? So here's what we're going to do. 
We're going to break up in the same groups we always do. We break up these rows into circles, but this time we're going to have communion together. And all you're going to do is you're just going to open it up. Hey, Jesus' body broken for me. Right on, for me. Eat it. Jesus' blood poured out for me, for me. And then we're going to talk about this. Let's go.